Ethics is a soap opera that has been running for 4,000 plus years. The core issues we face are the exact same issues faced by Marcus Aurelius, by the builders of the pyramids, but there are new permutations. Welcome to the Look Left at Marketing podcast. I'm your host, John Moran, alongside Brian Scanlon, the founder of Look Left Marketing. Mark McLennan is the principal of EB Strategic Communications. For over 20 years, he has led PR campaigns for companies of all sizes and in a wide variety of markets. Beyond his agency work, Mark has also been quite active in the PR industry throughout his career. He's a frequent blogger, writer on public relations, ethics, measurement, and social media, and he often speaks at industry conferences and universities on these very same subjects. Mark served as the national chair for the Public Relations Society of America a few years back. His passion about ethics and his insistence that the industry maintain impeccable professional standards led him to create Ethical Voices in 2018. And each week now, the Ethical Voices blog and podcast features a PR professional discussing a tough ethical challenge that they have faced at some point in their career. And speaking of careers, Brian and Mark, you both started your career together at Schwartz Communication back in the 90s and even shared an office. And here you are today. So have at it. Rumi. How's it going? A long time no see. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So you were clearly the alpha because you had the window. I did have the window, but you were the smarter person in the office. That's debatable. (laughs) (laughs) But I had more Diet Pepsi. That you did. (laughs) I've never seen so much Diet Pepsi in my life. (laughs) Anyway, so Mark, it's great to have you on our podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Ethical Voices? Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, that that series that you're doing. But for our listeners who may not know what it is, why don't you fill them in? Sure. And I think John gave a pretty good overview in the introduction. But when I was laid off in 2018 and I was thinking about, I've built my own personal brand, but I needed to do more. And I could start a blog on technology and social media and public relations, like one of 10,000 other people, and it wouldn't stand out. And so I used the time to really take stock and say, where are my passions? And one of my passions throughout my career has been ethics. And when I look at ethics, I think the PRSA and Arthur Page and everyone does a great job, but they tend to do it with an ethics month or some very high level content. And what I wanted to do is have real, real pros share real stories about real ethical issues, the things we find ourselves in that we may not expect on a practical basis. And it's going close to 100 interviews now. We're doing one every Monday, um, talking to mid-level senior executives about the ethical challenges they face. And then a few months ago, I started on Thursday kind of doing an additional post on one of the top ethical challenges or top ethical stories of the week. So in terms of the, all the guests, I mean, that's 100 is, is really in, incredible. Is, is there like a really crazy challenge that, that, that stands out that may not be every day, but certainly has everyday lessons? Yeah, you know, when you think about ethics, people tend to think about that Horatio at the Gates moment, the big I'm the whistleblower that's exposing wrongdoing. And that was my first guest, Paula Padine, when she exposed the VA scandal. But for the most part, people think of the, the little issues that they face. It's the timesheets, fudging numbers. But two recent interviews really shocked me. Um, one was a pleasant surprise. I was talking to Hassan Zuberi, who is the head of the PR Council of Pakistan. I met him through the um, Global Ethics Month. And when I was asking about his ethical challenge, he was talking about keeping his client alive because he was being threatened by for death for practicing yoga, which I guarantee you is not something that anybody in the States has had to deal with. 
And then I was talking to Quentin Langley actually just this past week, and he teaches at the Fashion Institute of Technology and at Fordham. And when he was teaching, he had a student stand up and accuse another student of being an apostate, a heretic, and committing treason, and wanted to have her sentenced to death. Wow. And he had a deal with how do you deal with that issue. And I guarantee you those are two that I, I've never encountered, and I don't think many people would think about, but they're issues that you may need to be prepared for. Well, we certainly have rather unique issues right now with coronavirus and you know, it, it's, it's certainly something, you know, I, I've been through, you know, 9-11 and all this, but this one is, is really uh, unique. And do you think that it's creating some unique or, or challenges, unique challenges for PR people? Is it creating some new difficult situations? Absolutely. When I take a step back, COVID is bringing out the best and the worst in companies and people. You know, but frankly, the biggest challenge a lot of communicators face is we've had a disruption to our processes and communication as big as the rise of the internet. But instead of it happening over a period of years, this happened over weeks or really days. And this has pushed people and businesses off center and out of their comfortable swim lanes. We talk about always constantly reinventing ourselves and learning, but not at the speed we're having to do now. And when people, some people get stronger But in other ways, it's leading to a rise in unethical behavior because disrupted people, disrupted routines, with people off center, they're not always making the best judgments. Um, When you add in working from home and the chaos that that entails, you're seeing businesses sometimes really struggling with some of the issues. And I think in the end, businesses need to focus right now on the why and what's needful. You know, too many businesses, I think, reached out. They felt they had to reach out, but it went too far. I mean, in an abundance of caution or in these unprecedented times became standing headlines that I think, frankly, lost a lot of their meaning. But the good news for PR communicators is our advice and value is needed now more than ever. And brands really need to focus now on their purpose. That's the one thing I'm seeing taking from this is purpose is no longer optional. You're seeing a lot of studies that are showing brands and uh, consumers expect brands to really have purpose front and center now, and they're going to reward the brands that do and punish those that don't. So it's really interesting. We're, we're a completely virtual agency at at look left and, and people kept saying, well, it's, it's great. You're, you're already virtual. And you Mm -hmm. know, the first thing that we noticed is, well, it's still not the same. I mean, we, it has, it affects the way you work, the weight that's on you, uh, the, the, Mm -hmm. the pressures, um, kids, kids at home, and it just creates a, a, a lot of challenges. And and people are like, "Oh, you're ahead." I'm like, "Well, yeah, I guess we're ahead in that we all know how to use Zoom, but um, <laughs> we're all pretty efficient at working in our in our home nooks or offices." But but things um, have changed in terms of this remote work. Uh, you did a great episode uh, last month uh, about uh, the ethics of of remote work. Uh, do you want to talk about maybe one or two of the issues that that came up from that? Sure. And this was something that actually surprised me because when you think about it, like you, I've been freelancing and working from home for years and some of the agencies as a part of virtual agencies. So we didn't have much of a shift, but what we're seeing, I was reading about bar associations, giving guidance to lawyers when it came to remote work. And you know that while we may not have the same um, oversight as the legal, legal professionals, we do have a lot of those same issues. And the, Issues that people need to think about ethically are things like security of the information, 
and where are you working and especially in rural areas using public Wi-Fi, what are some of the issues there? How are you accurately reflecting billability? You know, when you do Zoom calls and you're talking about confidential information, how can you be secure so that people, including some of your family members, can overhear these things? And there's a lot of, you know, ethical issues you may not consider around that. And then one of the things that really jumped out at me is a bigger surprise when it came to um, the current COVID situation, which I hadn't realized, and I bet you most brands haven't, is we're talking about reaching out and helping out. And the challenge gets to be you may actually be breaking the law if you do so. That if you're advising a company to help, we all have the companies that are donating the N95 masks, and that's great. If you're doing it at the request of a government organization, you're fine. If you're doing it at the request of an individual politician, of the mayor of your town or the governor, and you're responding to that, there is potential that that could be considered an illegal campaign contribution. Wow. Uh, do I think it's likely? No. Uh, but as you're looking at these elements, that's something you really need to be aware of is these remote situations are creating some new ethical challenges that most people haven't even considered before. You know, I think it's, it's at least for me, it feels like it's getting, uh, you used to be able to compartmentalize kind of your politics and your professional as, you know, work and your personal life. And I think much like, you know, all of those things have blended together for a number of, of reasons o over the years. I, you know, are you, are you starting to see, I, I kind of feel like that there's this temptation but fear to be political you know some some companies like uh, patagonia will just say no we, we are political this is our identity um and and then i i see some uh clients are like no we can't go any anywhere near that yet maybe their employees are kind of asking them to be you know whether you know uh, whether they're they're looking at the practices of the company and asking are they they ethical whether it's facebook or google you know it, it do you, when in talking to folks, do you see people struggling this and, and are there bright lines? And does that bright line just come back to maybe mission and purpose? You know, I think Brian, you hit the key point there and like anything, it depends, you know, it really depends on what the trigger is. I mean, everyone is facing these issues, you know, some brand issues that aren't political, but look at Stakeums, you know, they had enough with some of the things that were going on and they've seen their follower counts double their engagement go through the roof and they're being rewarded for it. I guarantee you the people at Clorox and Lysol were not planning as they came in to do their communications plan to, they were gonna have to tell people not to drink Clorox and Lysol. Yeah. Uh, but that suddenly became part of their daily activity. Um, so where I think you hit the key point in this and in anything else is do what's a natural extension of your brand values and purpose. USC Annenberg had a really interesting study in 2018 where they looked at, you know, communicators want, to have people take more political stands and do more causes while the majority of CEOs don't necessarily want to do so. The challenge that gets to be is it's twofold is one, it needs to be natural. It needs mm -hmm. to be an extension of your brand. And I think Edelman had some really interesting research on their trust barometer that came out around this. When I talk about, again, being political or stepping out where they said 90% of respondents want brands to work with the government and relief agencies you know, 50% say helping out is a must for earning and keeping their trust. Um, and 71% of people said that companies that prioritize profits over people will lose their trust forever. Now, frankly, I think forever is a long time, but it does show that growing importance and expectation of ethical purpose on behalf of brands and engaging when appropriate and we related to your mission and political commentary. 
You know what? We, we've both done a lot of uh, crisis uh, PR, and you know, over the years, we've seen a, a lot of companies and individuals and companies, you know, uh, step in it, make a mistake. Um, you know, and and I, you know, I think social media has really kind of opened that that door because it's so it's so easy to do just a handful of characters. It's it's easy to click. It's easy to to send. It's easy to you know, uh, the snark is tends to be rewarded. And, um, you know, is there, you know, is there, is there are kind of the rules of ethics being rewritten or maybe just at this point completely challenged and blown up in, in social media? It just, it feels a little like I used to say it was the wild west, but I also feel like the, the frontier of the West just keeps expanding with it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things you said that was interesting is the rules of ethics changing. And the way I look at it is ethics is a soap opera that has been running for 4,000 plus years. You know, the core issues we face are the exact same issues faced by Marcus Aurelius, by the builders of the pyramids, when you're looking at these things. But there are new permutations. There are new actors. And there's things that really kind of keep it fresh. And, you know, when you're talking about social in particular, there's two kind of key big areas that I see. You know, one are those significant issues around disclosure, you know, both when it comes to personal disclosure, as well as how you're dealing with influencers. But there's also that tyranny of speed that we're having to face, where before you could take some time and think about things and come to a decision. Now people want a reaction immediately. And that tends to, when you're working on that tyranny of speed, you tend to make more selfish decisions. You may not think things through and catch the big ahas. So that's one of the biggest challenges I think we face as um, communicators is how do you adapt to that that vibrant, speed-driven culture? And then there's also small but important things, things like the IP of images and people reusing images that come up or what's going to be happening with bots and all these other elements there. I think we're going to see that continued evolution over social. And you need to be aware not just of the big things, but of the small things. You know, I love that that phrase, uh, tyranny of speed. Uh, you know, in a lot of the crisis work I've done, you know, uh, the, the people in the room tend to be like, oh, the, you know, this is the, you know, we got to go after the, these people or they're coming at us. And I'm like, no, your your enemy right now is time. Um, that mm-hmm. is that is the thing that is going to do the most harm. And, and you have to, you know, find a way to either get ahead or buy time. And, um, and, uh, it usually comes up that, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm like, no, it's, you know, everyone else is moving based on not having to follow any rules and you're stuck in it trying to figure out what happened and, and all the rules. But I really like that, that tyranny of, of, of speed, because I, there is this temptation. I mean, we're, we're in the instant economy, right? You know, it, you, mm-hmm. you get that notification that your Amazon uh, orders delayed one day and you're like, oh, um, <laughs> and it's like, you know, uh, you know, before we would just go, have to go to the store and get it. And if they didn't have it, we'd go to another store and, and not to sound like, you know, like, a, an, an, an old fart here, but, but this notion of, you know, there, there needs to be this kind of instant thing. And, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things I'd love your opinion on this, that, that seems to be a real challenge for communicators is that if something does go wrong the wrong is really picked up and and it's covered and it's already spread and you know you have to then correct it and that correction is never fast it it feels you know so the rocket takes off and correction is kind of like an orbit that then has to happen for 
days or weeks or in some cases months. And and do you think that that entices people to try and find a shortcut or you know puts the angel and devil on their shoulders and says, oh, can we can we can we cheat that maybe? I think there's always the angel and devil as part of our human nature. And it comes back to it's being important to pause and to breathe, to start thinking about what you're going to do before you do it. And realizing, you know, this is advice that you and I have talked about. I remember us discussing with a, uh, a certain client, um, an identity fraud. But it, the worst time to start addressing a crisis is during the crisis. You need to have built your trust bank in advance. You need to make sure that you've built the channels and you have the influencers and you have the champions on your side. So when things do go off the rails, you have friends there to help pick you up and put you back on the rails. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I, I, I do worry sometimes that uh, so-called crisis professionals do more chastising than, you know, helping. And, you mm-hmm. know, that their job is to come in and say, well, these are all the things you did wrong. I, you know, I usually find that like, well, we can we can we can look at this later, but we need to just like fix it. <laughs> and uh, and I don't mm-hmm. mean fix it like in a in a, you know, uh, Tony Soprano's kind of way. But, you know, <laughs> but this notion of like, you know too much of looking backwards, you know, and all the things you should have done. Just again, it just, it, 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 by, it, it uses up time, which is the, the most uh, precious commodity. Absolutely. So, you know what, you know, one of the things that you, you and I have talked about many times uh, over the years has, has been, uh, you know, measurement and, and the value of, of, of PR and, and, you know, there's, you know, we had this conversation with a client uh, yesterday and it, it was really nice because they, they, they basically said, you know, I've been sharing the coverage we've been getting and all the good things that are going on. And, you know, we're in the middle of this crazy coronavirus thing and employees are writing me back and they're like excited. And that didn't always kind of happen. And it, it just kind of it got me thinking about, you know, there's always this battle of what you can measure and what you can't in PR and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and there's like, wow, the, you know, there's this real, real notion of like, what there's, you know, having that good press and, and that things, particularly in, in, I think the rough times, it can be really valuable. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Or is it, I mean, I guess it's always valuable, but it feels like maybe in, in time, in tough times or challenging times, people, I don't know, do they look for good news? You know, the good news network is highly popular right now. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, do you think that, um, I don't know, is there an obligation to have more good news uh, or is it just journalism that you're reporting on the, the time? It, it got all those things swirling in my head of like, oh, is, is there an obligation to provide good news as like almost like a social responsibility or maybe just an employee responsibility right. thing? And when is it whitewashing, right? You know, when is it just, you know, not, not you, accurate. You probably asked about a dozen questions. I know, it's just a little bit of a ramble there. Uh, you know, because there's, a, there's, a, I think there's kind of two elements there um, that I, I want to address. The first is when you're talking about that measurement and understanding things and you're right. Um, the fundamental issue there is you got to tie to business outcomes. The FUD factor doesn't matter. And to do that, you need to invest in research. You need to know where you're coming from so you can see how far you've gone. Um, and too often people are short-circuiting that, and then they're trying to make some – that's when they make some ethical compromises mm. is they're not honest with numbers. 
Yeah. Um, they inflate. They use fake metrics. They do all these other they elements. They change the are, methodology which, to make which it favorable. doesn't yeah. work. And especially when you're talking to the C-suite and you're talking to everybody else, when you're dealing with sales, when you're dealing with amortization, when you're dealing with finance, they know the numbers. They can defend them. They can explain it. Um, you know, when they get into some squishy numbers, you're suddenly already like you're fighting a quicksand and it doesn't work. So I think, you know, that's some of the kind of fundamental issues when it comes to the measurement. When it comes to the good news, there's a couple of really interesting things that are going on here. You know, one, I do think people want to see some positives. For a while, we got obsessed. You know, I think that first coverage about COVID was all about, oh, my God, we're going to die and how horrible is it? And then people went beyond that. And now they're looking for those success stories. And those the time was right to start seeing the hope or the light at the end of the tunnel. But we're seeing as a society, it's really getting to be much more balkanized and there's getting to be a cancel culture. And I think ethically, we're having a lot of issues in terms of, you know, do we want to cover these things? Do we want to hear from people that don't agree with us? And there's a lot of issues around deplatforming that's going on. Mm. There's a lot of issues around just trying to silence viewpoints that are different than our own. And that, I think, is going to be a significant ethical challenge business is going to be facing uh, and society is going to be facing now and on the years to come is technology makes some of this deplatforming and cancel culture easier. Yeah. And as we rely on fewer and fewer channels for our content, um, the biases that those channels bring in is going to have a disproportionate impact even beyond what the traditional media had in the pre-social media days. Do, do you think that, you know... I, I, you know, I'm start, I'm starting, you know, I, I come from a little bit of a journalism background and, you know, I taught journalism and, you know, I have some of those like rules like seared in, in my brain of like, yeah, I should present both sides of the story, you know, I, you know, and, and I should try and, and, and do it fair. It, to me, it seems like that it, you know, it's not necessarily, that's not necessarily the, the game plan now. It's the, the rise of sort of the op opinion journalism has has people saying, no, I just need to load up my side for bear and just really uh, go at it. Uh, you know, are, are there, you know, are there strategies to not fall into that trap? Um, you know, is it, you know, I, you know, I always thought that if I ever taught that I would, I would ask people to argue the other side that they, you know, the mm -hmm. side they don't believe in, which is, you know, probably a pr pretty common, but do companies can they get sucked into that like uh, you know i i really got to barrel home my point you know crank up the volume because i you know i just i got to break through that crazy noise shout louder um you know all of that well i think that's an issue that we as human beings face all the time is you know a lot of times we're not just listening we're waiting for our time to speak yeah and you need to make sure you're you're really authentically actively and ethically listening and I do think there's there's a big challenge. I mean, some examples just recently, and I, I teach ethics at Boston University one night a week. So I'm having these discussions with my students. But you're seeing reporters are increasingly being attacked, those that present two sides of an issue. Is it BU? Um, you know, it was reporting in Boston when somebody was covering ICE and the deportation of um, folks that were in the country illegally. Yeah. And they were incensed that they actually went and got a quote from ICE. Uh, and they had to apologize for it. Yeah. And the same thing happened in Northwestern with another similar case. And you're seeing people being attacked for dealing with both sides of the issue. So I do think that's why I say, I think this is going to be one of the biggest challenges we face is how do we as a society 
make sure we're communicating. And, you know, the argument gets to be, well, then you're giving voice to people that shouldn't have voices. And, well, who determines that? And where do things go? And there's a lot of a lot of really interesting nuances and debate there. From a business point of view, you need to make sure you're listening to your audiences. You're engaging all of your stakeholders. And that's where I think what the Business Roundtable said this past August, moving from a shareholder model um, to a stakeholder model mm -hmm. of communications is one of the most profound sea changes in communications and in business operations in the past 50 years. We need to see if they actually follow through with action on it. But that's going to be the case where we need to make sure we're really giving weight to all of our stakeholders and considering their concerns. Okay, so, uh, you know, you're obviously uh, doing a lot with ethics. Have you seen The Good Place? Absolutely <laughs> love The Good Place. The first thing I saw that is I, I, I was like, Chidi, that's like Mark McLennan in my life. <laughs> I tend to think I'm more decisive than Chidi, Brian, but thank you, you so are. much. You are. I will give you that. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, I mean, I think that that is a great case. I mean, I was laughing because it was a couple weeks ago when CNN had an entire article on utilitarianism. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I was so happy. And I probably just blew everybody's ears off of that. Sorry about that. And there's a game that I'm using that I love. And I posted it on Facebook. And a bunch of other families bought it, resulting it. It's called Trial by Trolley. And it basically makes the trolley problem oh, really? a fun party game. <laughs> and it is awesome. You know, I mean, you're having to decide which one you do, and it makes people grapple with these choices. So I think we're seeing ethics is getting to becoming discussed more, yeah. and which is a great thing because it's only really by talking about it on a regular basis that we can train our ethical minds. The trolley scene, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, is probably my favorite comedy scene in a sitcom ever. I, 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 I'm laughing about just thinking about it now. I still have to go for the live turkeys at WKRP, but um, it's a good one, too. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe during the holidays it's, it flips over. Uh, <laughs> but I do live in San Francisco, so, I, you know, obviously there's a, a trolley thing going on. Absolutely. Well, Mark, it was so great to have you. We should do this again. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Our thanks to Mark McLennan for joining us on the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Be sure to check out all of Mark's great work at ethicalvoices.com. So many great podcasts and blogs for you there. As always, we hope you'll subscribe to our series on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we also welcome your comments, your suggestions for future episodes. Looking ahead to our next conversation, we'll be talking to Alex Williams and Richard McManus of the New Stack, which is a great site covering the services and infrastructure that developers are building these days and the cultural impact it has on the way we work and live. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.